0: This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.
1: Kia ora and welcome to Garden of Sound, brought to you by The Nephilist. I'm your host, Ian Turner, and my guest today is Ben Eldridge. But first, if you enjoy the show, I'd love for you to subscribe. Just head to gardenofsound.nz and click on any of the subscription links on the front page. And if you'd like to complete the listener survey while you're there too, I'd be most grateful. OK, Ben Eldridge. He's been a cornerstone of the New Zealand music scene for over 20 years, playing with groups like the Heavy Jones Trio, the Reduction Agents and Dictaphone Blues, as well as providing his talents to current artists like Will McGillibray and Adam Hadaway. So where did it all begin and what artists over the years have influenced the Ben Eldridge sound? This is the Garden of Sound interview with Ben Eldridge on Plains FM 96.9. Ben, have you got a first recollection of music?
2: Well, it's probably um, my dad's uh, listening to a lot of Simon and Garfunkel and Cat Stevens would be. And Mike Batt, who doesn't pop up very much at all. Who is Mike Batt? Mike Batt is the guy that wrote the Wombles song. Oh, really? (laughs) Yes. Oh, okay. Kind of sort of a classical musician that then made pop music. He had like one kind of top ten hit. Um, because he's a UK artist where yep. He was playing on Top of the Pops Yes, And he's it's, it's hilarious Because they've obviously decided at the last minute That he didn't quite look cool enough So they made him have an electric guitar But he can't play the electric <laughs> guitar So he's running around in this clip On the Top of the Pops with dancers and stuff around him Pretending to play the electric guitar It looks really bad and it's a, it's not a very good song
1: That was great <laughs> It was a magical mystery too <laughs> yeah. almost. Where did you get your music from?
2: Um, just always wanted to play the guitar. Apparently my mother, sorry, my grandmother on my, my dad's side was a very accomplished pianist, although I never met her. Um, she was Norwegian. Um, mm. And dad played the guitar. Dad had been in the Merchant Navy as mm. a radio officer. Okay. In his um, bachelor days. Yep. We actually learned, he still had his first guitar, first guitar which was a eco-acoustic, E-K-O. You see them? used to sing them around sometimes. Mm. I haven't seen one in ages. hmm um and he i think he just brought one of those and took it out on the boat with him and learned how to play buddy holly songs and mm-hmm. so that was always hanging around and you know i got the mandatory piano lessons when i was about eight mm. hated it but apparently i was good at sight reading and then just said oh well, i just want to learn guitar and then as soon as i had high school born three in those yeah. days i got guitar lessons and never looked back the guy that i was learning from was a really cool teacher but then it sort of all came together for me when i sort of made friends i sort of. Bullied the sixth form guy called Stephen, who was kind of hanging out in the music room as well. And yeah, I saw, and I said, "Oh, you should give me guitar lessons because um, he was into Slash." Yep. And um, there was a you know I was going like Use Your Illusion One until it just come out. Okay. And it was huge, you know. Yep. And um, and he had like this guy Stephen had like a Leeds copy, and um, I was like very oh, cool. Yeah, this guy's awesome, and I was like, oh, like, just yeah. Teach me And he was like Oh yeah maybe I oh, don't know And I was like No, no, no It would be great And you know I think I gave him Like five dollars For 30 minute lessons Or something it's pretty good like, But that's I, a lot of money Yeah well, You know I just, like hit had to ask mum and dad Yeah and Had to bike over To his house and stuff But yeah, but, yeah You had the the, the um, tab book For Appetite for Destruction Oh wow Pre-internet You know It was like amazing You know It's like When people had Those sort of things Yeah Because otherwise You were just trying To figure it out By ear and, So
1: what what's, What was your favourite track From uh, Appetite for Destruction <laughs>
2: I think it's probably night train. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And these two solos, and Izzy comes in first with this yeah. kind of weedy, you know, it's a cool weedy tone. But yeah. then, like Slash, sort of roars out of yep. the other speaker with that Slash tone. And it's yeah. just like whoa.
1: Were there any bands in the offering at that point?
2: Not, not for me personally. I tried to uh, jammed with friends at high school. Yeah, um, and there was a band. Um, there was some really good musicians that went through the school I went to, which was. St. Bede's, hmm. which you wouldn't think of as being a school that was tuning out great musicians, but it did. Um, so this is St. Bede's in
1: Auckland or St. Bede's Sorry, St. Bede's down here. Okay, yep, so when over. did you make your way to, to Christchurch?
2: So when I was about seven. Okay. Yeah, and we lived right. in North Canterbury initially and then moved into town.
1: So you had um, guys that were a number of years sort of ahead of you who were doing great things?
2: There was one guy ahead of me who was, um, and when we were doing fifth-form music, he was doing sixth-form music because, sorry, he was repeating his fifth form music, and he was sixth former, Okay. And that person was Nick Gaffney. Okay. And if you don't know who that is, he's like one of the most amazing drummers. That What can I say? You know Cairo Knifeite? Yes. That's Nick Gaffney. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like basically a session musician over in LA now. Okay, yeah. Um, played with Anika Moa in her yeah. early, early days, played with like... All the heavy cats kind of up up north. I think he was in Golden Horse for a bit. Okay, A ridiculous guy, yep. like ridiculous player. Like, so it
1: is worth doing sixth form again. <laughs> yeah,
2: I just remember he. Um, I remember we had to do our practical assessment, you know, in front of like a handy cam thing. Yeah. I remember he just brought in his drum kit and set it up and did some John Bonham thing. And and he was like, you know, this is like a sixteen-year-old kid. Yep. And he was already like amazing. Yeah. And um, He was quite sort of, you know, imperious. So. You'd sort of try and hang out with them and kind of be his friend, but he wasn't really into that.
1: When does a guitarist, or when do you think you found your sound?
2: I think the big one for me was was definitely Jimmy Page. Yeah, okay. you know? so I did sort of skipped over Hendrix. Yeah, my best friend, sort of at high school, was also a guitarist, so we hung out on the weekends, and yep. you know, I used to go over there and we'd play guitar. Yep. Um, but yeah, it was definitely I think Led Zeppelin 2 was the first record I got of, mm-hmm. of Led Zeppelin, and mm-hmm. I got it on cassette. And then I think I got a copy of the um, song remains the same. Yep. The live console on VHS. So I could kind of see, you know, in what what, he, what Jimmy was doing. And so I had a really bad straight copy that Winston shown. Convinced mum that I needed to get an Epiphone Les Paul. Yep. Sunburst, of course. Discovered that the pickups in it were microphonic. Basically, long story short, I sort of ended up trading this little terrible multi-FX pedal I had for some Seymour Duncan pickups put that in there and that was my first great guitar so yeah. I guess that was kind of my sound you know mm-hmm. um, didn't have it for long but uh, um, okay but then yeah that was that was definitely my first great guitar. I was going to <laughs> ask the
1: um the questions yeah um what did you move to after that
2: properly as Paul okay. yeah we got it brand new and it was um it was cheap it was like $2,300 really? brand okay. new and um, apparently it was, I remember it was in the rock shop when they were on Casual Street. Kessel Street, yep. And um, they'd like literally, or we went in there and um, I had another friend of mine, Rob, who's a, who's a guitar player, who's a bit older than me. And we used to hang out at CJ's and the rock shop all the time. Yeah. And I remember going and they'd like had this fresh shipment of these pulls, and they were like, oh, this one's a, a second. And it was like, oh, this doesn't seem to be anything wrong with it. But... So I went out and got like a you know HP finance thing yep. and paid it off at like ninety dollars a month for however many months it took me. Yeah, but um, and it was a great guitar. I wish I hadn't sold it in some ways, but I brought something better afterwards. Of course, I'm going yeah. to stop you right there
1: because yeah. it's time for some music, and we'll we'll get into the '20s in just a second. You've got a uh, Paul Simon track in terms of influence. We've been very heavy. We've been very <laughs> slash Led Zeppelin. Yeah, Led Zeppelin And then we go into um, something which is slightly, slightly more chill. It is. And from listening, there's a lot of there's a lot of roads in there.
2: (laughs) There is. Yeah, I think he's basically playing with full jazz musicians. It was one of those albums that, excuse me, was on Dad's collection. I always thought the cover was just so daggy and ridiculous looking. It's somewhat remiss of
1: me to not name the album or the track that we're going to play. The track yeah. is?
2: Still crazy after all these years.
1: Okay, and why Why did you choose this?
2: No, I just came back to him and those records and just thought just how good they were, you know, and, and just like love his voice and his lyrics and, and um, the way he paints a picture of his kind of New York life and, um, and the way he talks about relationships going wrong and stuff yeah. and just so good. Yeah. And sort of combine that with really that, um, I love that period in the late 70s of pop music that's like super sophisticated, you know, like not like pop music now. It's like four chords, if you're lucky. You're right. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, but this is like super heavy jazz cats playing yep. um, like beautiful stuff that modulates and. Probably sounds a little bit fruity, probably you know. So I'm having said that actually. My daughter though, she um when she discovered when I sort of she her been listening to this record when she was about eleven or twelve, mm. she just loved it. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of her faves too, so
3: yeah.
4: A smile And we talked about some old times And we drank ourselves some beers Still crazy after all these years Oh, still crazy after all these years I'm not the kind to socialize I seem to lean on old familiar ways But I ain't no fool for love songs that whisper in my ears Still crazy my peers Still crazy After all these years oh, still crazy
1: This is the Gardner Sound interview with Ben Eldridge on Planes FM 96.9. Um first big blown away wow gig. I'm
2: played I'm pleased to say it was um Zoo TV at Lancaster Park. Oh amazing. Yeah. Okay, yep. So good. Yep. In um circa 93 I think Yeah, 90, yep. I think I was fourth form or third form. Yep. I've been so it's 92 or 93. Yep. And so I, the cool thing was that I've played like the broadcast uh, there's like the Ber- there was like a Berlin version of the show on TV, like TV Two, like some months beforehand. Mm-hmm. There's like a promo because mm-hmm. it was like, yeah, the Zoo TV show is coming to New Zealand. You know, make sure you watch the Zoo TV special that's on TV Two on Saturday night. Yep. Blah, blah, blah. yep. So me and my sister recorded that. So yep. we just wa- and I know watched it all, almost every day. Yeah. And, um, and it's so cool, then that you get to go and see it, you know. And it's exactly the same, except a bit different. Yep. And you know, you're seeing all those things like right in front of you because we were like super, like right at the front. And the yep. 3ds opened, and you know, that th- is in the. the I Hayes don't US.
1: remember. I don't remember that. Yeah, but. Hayes
2: used the three. I remember looking at them and thinking they looked tiny, sort of yep. like this tiny band. Yep dwarfed by a oh, huge massive... amount of stage and um and the guitarist was like feeding back wildly and kind of and i sort of you know i was, like, I was a bit like oh who are these guys they seem a bit sort of weird you know and yeah. um i remember they played that song out of space which stuck with me i was like that's a really good song but yeah but the ZTV was amazing um and just such a Great time for, you know, to see too. I think You know, like, I think they came back again With the next record mm. to Australasia I don't know if they made it, made it to New Zealand
1: Do you have any time for for The Edge?
2: Well, I was going to say, I, in a in a weird way He sort of ended up becoming a sort of an influence Because it was all about the British guitarists, I think um, when, With my first band um, Noel, Gallagher, yep. Graham Coxon Although mm-hmm. it took me a while to figure out Sort of what he was doing Because it was a bit weird Yeah Bernard Butler, again, a bit weird, but um, also then the guy that replaced him, um, whose name I'm going to forget now, who was the young, it's, it's a like, suede, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, suede, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a really cool story, uh, Richard Oakes, Richard okay. Oakes, the like 17 year old that replaced him, Wow, which is also a really amazing story, and the album that he made, yeah. <coughs> excuse me, coming out is just fantastic. I just have to yeah.
1: jump in when we go across the, um, the other side of the Atlantic, um, and a country, Favorite Chili's guitarist?
2: Oh, Chili Peppers! God, I suppose it has to be Freshante, doesn't it? It's, I guess it has
1: yeah. to be. No, you, no time for Navarro. Oh uh,
2: no, not really. I found him always a bit weird. But um
1: not even in Jane's Addiction.
2: I remember when I first became aware of the Chili Peppers was watching uh, MTV Music Awards and they had a Rick Marshall on okay. guitar. Yes. Who was there for literally one hot minute?
3: Yep. <laughs> we'll go to commercial <laughs> and yes, I was like well, it was it's like, on the way
2: and that was before I became aware of the whole thing of you know like I remember seeing a joke in a magazine as well around that time that said oh. um, at some point in the future everybody will be a Red Hot Chili Peppers guitarist for 15 minutes Okay, so I was like because I was never I think I like had Blood Sugar Sets Magic but that was yep. I didn't really go go deep. further didn't really no not with the I found yeah, I was more into my classic rock you yeah.
1: know just back on the edge yep. uh, for a second mm. um what do you think his strengths are?
2: He's the only guitarist in a four piece band, yep. but he makes a big sound. Yep. Doing not power chord distortion stuff, although mm. he's sometimes doing that yep. sort of stuff, but um, having just this big, expensive 3D widescreen sound and um, kind of avoiding cliches or tropes, mm. um, which seems to be a bit of an English thing. You know, you trace it back to Johnny Ma. There's lots of sort of arpeggios and things. Yep. yep. It's sort of picking out notes and, and intervals and reverb and delay. delay. Yep, all yeah, all those things. It all seems to be very English. Yeah. The Americans, it's more, you know, the Ramones. If it's janglier, then it's kind of the Velvet Underground where it's a bit sort of just more art school kind of guitars out of tune kind of that just serving the song. But, but yeah, with the English guitarists like the Johnny Mars, it's like a real sense of... And uh, Bernard Butler, I suppose, mm. and Richard Oakes as well, and Mick Ronson. Oh, and Brian May, of course, as well, you know, pushing into new territory and doing things with a... We've been the only guitarist in a band, but yeah, just making a huge sound, Mm, yeah. mm.
1: So what were your 20s like musically? Um, What kind of bands were you in?
2: Again, I sort of hunted down um, Dylan Thomas and Miles Orprez and basically somehow ended up making music with them. Mm-hmm. So they were in a band called the Tardy Grades with yes. Kelly Horgan, Yes. who you know, would later go on to be in a band with. yeah. And I sort of knew of the Tardy Grades because I'd seen a couple of their videos on Cry TV. Great, you know, like so, so, such an important part of the yeah. landscape at that time. Um, yeah. And I sort of like thought, you know, oh, I was like, it seems like quite a cool band, you know. Yeah. Bumped onto Dylan in the street or something. I can't remember exactly how it came about and then just sort of ended up sort of Yeah, hanging out with them and Miles. who it was like, oh, we should get a band together. And so again, it was a a trio. So I own the guitar and the band. Yeah, and Dylan was singing and playing bass. Um, Miles was singing as well and as drums. And so we made this band called the Sundance Kids, which was pretty short lived, really, only a couple of years. Um, Some really cool songs. Dylan was all about his pop music. He was like, when I met him, he was like, oh, I just love pop music. And I was kind of like, what's that? You know. Is that like the Spice Girls or something? Cause mm. it, that's what it sounds like. What was his description? Well, he was kind of referring as I as I sort of um, discovered, he was kind of um, referring to bands like the Wanna Dies, that okay. Swedish band. Yeah, yeah he was yeah. really into them. The Ian Blur, yep, definitely. Okay. And I sort of was like started listening to Park Life. Yep. And, um, Modern life is rubbish. And just like, oh, you know, hearing all the stuff that Graham Coxon was doing. Again, Mm. he should have, I should have talked about him before. Mm. Another weird English guitarist doing weird things. You know, only guitarist in the band. Weird stuff with effects, pedals, you know, um, weird sort of like psychedelic guitar sounds. But quite sort of just real original and creative stuff, you know. Mm. That thing of like being not like a great guitarist, technically, Mm. but then finding your own thing through that we had one sort of successful song called From Russia With Love, which was uh, my first experience in a recording studio. Where was that? Um, I think there was, a, there was a short-lived studio in town called Blast Studios. Okay, yes. Yeah, short-lived. I, had, I think it was quite well kitted out for the time. Yeah. Um, and we were and recorded it there. And that was with our friend Ollie Harmer, who now... Uh, yeah. Yep, yeah well, he's had a you know he's had a really interesting career you know yeah and I sort of knew of him a little bit through Lyndon from the yeah. Puffins you know so yeah when I recall with Ollie and um didn't really tour or anything with um I think I remember we went in a band competition the band uh, this is sundance kids we yep. went in the Rdu band competition the ducks yep. yep I think we got in the top four and Dylan mm-hmm. was really upset and but oh, he didn't make number one I think clown dog won Okay. Yeah, and they were like throwing sausages into the audience, and we were like, of, like We were like, we're really serious about this music. Why are they winning? Yeah, because yeah. they were entertaining. Sorry, spanky if you're listening, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> but and I remember, Dylan was upset. So, um, that's, and yeah, it's all right. He got over it.
1: Tell me about your relationship with Kelly.
2: Yeah, so Kelly came along as and was going to join the Sundance Kids, and um, and it was it was cool. He'd been he'd been in Wellington at Jazz School. He'd gone up there. To do wellington jazz school because of a girl who was going up there yeah and then so he so that was so he started jamming with us and then he did one gig and uh, i remember there's actually video video footage of it somewhere i think at my mum's house um and it was in the old ducks and kelly's amp pretty much stopped working after one song we were just doing like a support set yeah and so the whole video, <clears throat> if you watch it, is just Kelly's amp kind of going,
5: rawr, rawr, rawr,
2: rawr, and him like making like these disapproving looks off to the side I'm of the surprised. stage. Yeah, and me looking quite awkward on stage because it's pretty much the first time i played on stage. So I'm not like looking up, I'm not making eye contact contact with anyone. Yeah. And then he was like, "Oh, it's been really fun, but I'm going to go to Wellington and do jazz school." And we he disappeared for a time, maybe six or eight months, I want to say. Came back, didn't work out. I think the thing with Dylan imploded, and then Dylan, what did Dylan do? Dylan went to Auckland, I think, and then we were still down here, and then we, the, pretty much Heavy Jones came out of that, mm. and we got Joe on bass. Yeah. Because Kelly was writing songs. And um, This is Joe Barris. Joe Barris, sorry. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, yeah.
1: What makes you want to play?
2: It's like, what are your hobbies? It's like, you know, I have other hobbies, but. It's just the thing that's never gone away, you know. Mm. Um, I've never gone sick of it. Although sometimes you're kind of like, oh, you know.
1: Are there mom- Are there moments when you wanted to give it away?
2: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, definitely. There's moments when it's like not satisfying yeah. and frustrating and um, you feel like you're not making any progress on your instrument or you feel like you you have a bad sound or... <clears throat> you maybe you wish you it's like oh I really should have put more in- effort into learning how to sing properly mm. instead of just being a guitarist you know what a oh that was a silly move but then you know we, like then you realize that you can sort of find like-minded group of people and you slot in and everything feels great you know and you have like it's like even like you know like having one great day in a recording studio or recording a song or having one great gig or something that can keep you going you can sort of ride a high wave for. For you know, weeks and months and and then sort of, you know, sustain that kind of excitement about music again, you know.
1: What's the one job you've taken where you weren't right?
2: I don't know if there's anything that where I wasn't where it wasn't right. There's was definitely things where I like recorded with a band and then didn't play with them. Like they mm. were like they wanted to go and play shows and I was like, no. Nah. Mm. And I kind of got out of it by saying, Oh I'm Is busy. that a
1: is that just a relationship? Kind of thing, or you're not on my wavelength, or yeah, you know? yeah. There's definitely a bit of that. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. can't
2: remember who said it. Um, uh, maybe like a Nashville musician I follow on Instagram was talking about with gigs. There's got to be three. There's like three categories: money, music, is in like the quality of the music you're playing, and the hang. And the hang is like you know how well, how much fun you can have just hanging out with your bandmates. So you got to have two out of three. So okay. you know, it's kind of it does make sense. So if it's terrible music but it's a, with your, you're you you with your friends and, and you're yep. making good money, yep. then sweet. Yeah. If it's great music but uh I don't know the people are dicks and you're getting paid like $50 for a gig or something plus 12 practices that you're not getting paid for. And You'll give it away, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, there's I, I think it's kind of a good little yardstick.
1: So, for aspiring, and I'm going to use the term session guitarists at well, least, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what's your yardstick? And I'm not talking about the actual pay, how do you decide?
2: I mean, sometimes that oftentimes it's not even discussed, you know, and it's that whole kind of insecure thing of ooh, it's like, hey, you know, you and then as you get older, you get more confident.
1: And you, you know, know your value?
2: Yeah, exactly. Be like, hey, or, or people People usually tell me if, what the budget is if I'm getting asked to do something like that now. Yeah, yeah. And then I guess if you're not getting told, then it could be a bit of a red flag, potentially. Okay. yeah. But then, yeah, it comes back to the, oh, maybe it's a really cool song, you know. How much work is that if it's just yep. one day? Awesome. Is it like three days? Mm. Yeah. Because I have done some things where it's like, Oh, it's just a a day. And then, oh, we're going to come come back for another day. Well, hey, do you reckon you can come back and do one more day and just fix up some bits and kind of get a... a So those things are a bit like...
3: uh. Okay.
1: (laughs) And now for something completely different but slightly related. Roy Buchanan. Oh, yeah. Um, This track I heard for the first time today, it's many things. <laughs> it's spoken word. It is. It's some brilliant solo as well. Yeah. Why um? Why do you want to play this track?
2: When you're a guitarist, there's lots of names that you'll hear, like yep. a famous guitarist that like, and some of them you'll end up listening to and like kind of digging. Yeah. And then others they'll just go, you know, and you'll never listen to them ever. Yeah. Like somebody might say Michael Schenker from UFO, and you're like,
3: okay, exactly.
2: Never listen to him, yep. but I know that name. But then, like, Roy Buchanan was one of those ones where it's like I'd heard, you know, that name a few times. I was like, oh, yeah, Roy Buchanan. Who was that? And then I remember watching that film, The Departed. Yep. Yep. And the closing soundtrack on that. uh, Sorry, the closing clip. Yep. Is the after he shoots, sorry, spoilers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> ah. Anyhow, as the credits roll is yep. um is Roy's vision version of Sweet Dreams. Okay. And I remember watching it, you know, on D V D when it came out fifteen years ago, and I remember just going going, Who is there on guitar? And like Yeah. Look looked it up and I was like, Oh it's Roy Buchanan. Ah. And then of course went down the rabbit hole with that and just okay. Um, this was pre Spotify, so just, you know, got on the net and probably ripped his entire disc- discography but which is patchy, but um but the first two records are amazing. Yeah. What's
1: his um what sort of time period are we talking for? Good question. Because I mean if it's sweet
2: dreams. So it's the Patsy Klein tune. Yeah, he doesn't oh, okay. he doesn't, he doesn't instrument I'm thinking the rhythmics. No, no. So this is yeah, this is sixties. Yeah, oh, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So he's it's it's a roots music. Yeah, um, yeah. So cool. he's a and he's like one of these guys that's like associated with like Hendrix is associated with the strat, Jimmy Page is associated with Louis the Les Paul. Paul, Roy Buchanan is the Telemaster, the okay. telecaster guy. So I was getting into the telecaster at the time, and like um, through a couple of other players, and they had also talked about Roy Buchanan as well. So. Okay. And um, yeah, he he pioneered all these interesting techniques and yeah. volume swells and okay. behind the nut things yeah. and crazy sort of just screechy. It doesn't always sound pretty; it sounds no. kind of screechy. And yeah. I, I have heard some people talk about him and go, "Oh, I can't really, you know, it doesn't. I just don't like it. It sounds like screechy noise." And I can kind of get that. But yeah, um, Messiah will come again is, is, is a really cool one. But yeah, Roy's he's he's one of the the heavy telecaster cats. Mm.
0: say They disbelieved, so they mocked him. And a stranger, he went away. Now, the sad little town that was sad yesterday, it's a lot sadder today. I walked in a lot of places I never should have been. But I know that the Messiah, he will come again.
1: This is the Garden of Sound interview with Ben Aldridge on Plains FM 96.9. We talked briefly about the formation of the Heavy Jones trio and um, things were going quite well in Christchurch, I guess. Things were going
2: well in Christchurch, yeah, we did. Um, That band got a real positive response from the get-go and that's a full credit to Kelly's songs because he was writing really great songs. Yep. And it just so happened that we were sort of the right musicians at the time to help realise it, I suppose, you know. Because It was pretty much a, a folk a, kind of a folky rock band, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. Hard, yeah, yeah. hard to describe, yep. kind of a rock and roll band sometimes, yep. but yeah, yeah. Um, and Joe was um, Joe was, uh, had really great harmony vocals, so that was really cool. Um, Joe, Joe Barris, this
1: is all post Deluxe Boy, I imagine. Deluxe
2: Boy was running at the same time, okay. Gigs. We even did gigs where we shared the bell and the bass player, I know um so but you know it was going really well and um with the big thing for us was going we got added to the national tour for the z um first z album silencer yep so we were and they were those, those shows were like sold out and we were playing like big venues and stuff and the music seemed to we seemed to go down really well every yep. night and it was really fun and then neil cox recently mm-hmm. passed away i'm not sure if you heard of him yeah he was awesome he was the sort of tour manager i think was his official role at the yep. time He sort of took us under his wing. And
1: one of the main instigators of Cry TV as well. Right. I didn't know that. Oh, wow.
2: He was so cool. He was just a really cool guy. Took us under his wing, helped us out, um, gave us some gigs later down the track when he had a promotions company called Big Deal. Mm -hmm. And he brought um, some bands out to New Zealand. And, you know, we opened up the shows for them. Yep. So everything was going well. And then we recorded a song called Steering at the Ocean, which was like our big, the big song. And we went to Auckland to do that with, and we met a guy, a couple of guys called Nick Abbott and Ben King. Nick Abbott is, went and worked over in the UK for a while. Um, he recorded uh, the first Pluto record mm. uh, that debut, the famous Golden Horse record mm. out in Waitaroa, which is the studio we recorded at. Okay. And then also we were working with Ben King, who was in Golden Horse. Mm. And now um, I think Grunter has a studio out in Massey in West Auckland. Cool. And he plays guitar with Greg Johnson, and he's a really good singer, and he's a bass player, and he's a guitarist. So two of them, they were really cool to work with, and um, the studio was great. Um, but and then we recorded it in York Street as well a couple yep. of times, which was amazing, obviously. Yeah. yeah, it was just a really great time for New Zealand bands. It was like we, we had lots of luck with funding, you know, and um, okay. had a few bites of their apple. In the yeah, we hit, hit Auckland. Uh, so, yeah, decided to move to Auckland. Joe was going to stay down here, which was cool. Had Auckland, kind of, yeah, just sort of got a bit stuck. Couldn't find a bass player for a while. Mm. Uh, found Stephen Shore, who um, who was really great, um, and had played in bands like The Chills and sort of was coming out from quite a soul music background, which mm. kind of worked quite well with the music we were playing. Yeah. But yeah, unfortunately for us, it was garage rock um, was the thing that we really wanted to do because the Datsuns had just come out in the D4. And so suddenly here we were playing our folky rock that was all kind of like, you know, pretty sort of slower tempo do we try and change our sound to kind of like fit in with that, which Mm. is obviously the worst thing you can do. Yeah. It was a really fun, but obviously ultimately demoralizing experience. (laughs) But we all learned a lot, you know, and um, I met my wife and, um, and at that time, and James Milne, um, AKA Lawrence Arabia just moved up as well. Um, so he was there, and he was actually flatting in the flat that the Datsuns would had based themselves in mm. Graylin. Mm. I ended up joining a couple of other cool bands, The Reduction Agents with James. Yeah, Reduction Agents album was was really fun. Recorded that to tape in the stairwell of the Lab Studios, Oli okay. Harmer, again. Yep. yep. And then puffed around in Auckland for a while. Ended up running into Ed Castello, who was also a uh, Christchurch guy, who's um, degrees K if you remember that band from down here.
1: Which Ben Edwards played in.
2: Which Ben Edwards played in, correct. They, so they they went to Sydney, and yep. they sort of puffed around there for a while, yep. three or four years, and then pff, imploded as bands do. And yep. came, he came, he Ed ended up back in Auckland with a bunch of songs and a name for the project, Dictaphone Blues. So then when uh, Kelly decided to move back to Christchurch, we, Miles, and uh, it was Rob Collins on bass at that time, Um, and Miles and myself were like oh well here we are and you know we're a a rhythm section and a guitarist without a band and oh Eddie needs a band and we all know each other and we're great friends you know this couldn't have worked out better mm. so suddenly we were dictaphone Blows, heavy jones so that yep. you know that band had become dictaphone blues yeah and we played some really fun shows we got we went around and played um some shows with liam fun and he was doing his live looping thing which was super cool you know and for the quite, time yeah super yep. cool for the time yeah very sort of like whoa you
1: know so when this song we're about to hear. Yep. This is you and you and Kelly. How yeah. did this come about?
2: So this was just recently out of the most recent lockdown. Fantastic. Yeah. So and um, so all my friends, late bloomer. I learned how to drive in my thirties. Yep. Same thing with computer recording. You know, all my friends that were recording on computers like for the, have been for the past twenty years. Yep. And um, I was always like, oh, I should get into it, but I've oh, I've missed the boat. Oh, no, it's gonna be. It's like you know, getting on the housing ladder. Yep. Too late. It's like oh no, it's too expensive now. Yeah. I'm gonna have To buy all this stuff. But I just um, I got a um, I finally upgraded my computer to a newer MacBook and got an interface and a, um, pretty much just uh, in GarageBand, you know, so okay. literally just wow. yeah, and uh, just um, I wouldn't have guessed it to be perfectly honest. <laughs> right, cool, awesome. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, you I was like, and I was like, oh, and there's drums, uh, these drum loops, and GarageBand that I can use, great. Yeah. Um, so um, just wrote that track super fast and sent it to Kelly. Yeah. And said, oh, I need a vocal, kind of you know, like half seriously thinking he would be like oh yeah whatever but then he like came back with it the next day and um and, yeah and that was it and i sort of tried to <laughs> i got ptsd because i was like oh i should try and release this somehow i should so i started emailing like under the radar and various yeah. and i was like and it all came back to me like you know that sort of thing of oh that's right yeah um it's really hard when no one <laughs> you know you're trying to get people to care about your music <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know sort of like back in the heavy jones days of like sort of sending emails to people and going hey yeah.
1: We still exist, yeah. and we've done some things. <laughs> so the most recent lockdown, yeah. uh, and what has the reaction been well,
2: to this? Well, again, it's I'd say it's totally gone under the radar. Yeah, um, I just you know stuck it up on my <laughs> Instagram and on my uh, Facebook, and uh, a few of my friends were like, "Hey, that's cool," and that was it.
1: From what I've heard, you play on and the stuff that i've seen on instagram this feels some of the guitaring feels a bit heavier yeah than normal
2: yeah it's fun to um i notice when i record with other people they always and even if they're dudes that are like i'm really into guitar that they then when they go to mix the guitars they don't tune all the guitars down and I always find that really weird. Mm. Like, hang on, so you're a guitar band, and you're a guitar dude, and you've got a million guitars. And because I've been around to your house, and you've got stacks of fuzz boxes, but then you're a bit you, scared. You're a bit. You said you dial the you dial everything back, you know, or you sort of edit things back. So. Um, yeah so when, when it was me Doing my quote unquote mixing Which I really don't have much of a clue how I do at all
1: Yeah but you're a great musician though And it shines right. through in the song
2: Cool awesome
1: Let's listen <laughs> This is Ben Eldridge with Kelly Horgan You knew that anyway
2: That's the one
4: is not me
1: is the Gardner Sound interview with Ben Aldridge on Plains FM 96.9 you said something in the previous part of the show you were talking about being a late bloomer yeah Um, before we go for our advice kind of question line are there any positives or is there an upside to coming to the party late
2: yeah I think there is in some ways Um, I definitely managed to maintain my svelte early 20s figure for a long time <laughs> because I walked everywhere because I didn't drive <laughs> so that was a positive the first <laughs> lesson
1: okay brilliant love it um what would you say to I guess mid-teens Ben he's he's at beads <laughs> yeah sort of looking out into the distance yeah. and maybe looking up at yeah some other folks who've done some cool things yeah what would you say to that young man
2: I'd just say keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'd say keep doing what you're doing. I'd say um, probably don't be afraid to just do stuff and try stuff. And um, Were
1: you at that point?
2: Maybe. I've always been a little bit reticent, you know, that kind of English thing, you know, of you know, slightly uptight, I guess, mm. you know, about getting on. You know, that kind of shy, what's that kind of shy, retiring, humble thing about, oh, you know, I'm all right, you know. We you know where people are like, man, you're really good, and you're like, oh, I'm all right, you know. It's like, don't. I guess my advice would be like, yeah, that's all right to be to say, yeah, I'm good, you know. That would probably be my advice, and mm. now, I wouldn't just say that to for myself. I say that for a lot of people, you know, like talented people that I know that probably talk themselves down and say, oh yeah, I'm all right. Well, it was all right because mm. we all do that a little bit as creatives, I think. Yes, yeah. bad.
1: It is. <laughs> Learn to take the compliment.
2: Yeah, that's right
1: looking further out let's say the world opens up let's Mm. say things are a little bit more free and easy is there anything that you haven't achieved at this point that you'd like to do whether in New Zealand or or overseas with music
2: still haven't toured overseas with the band which is very naughty Ah, I know I know but I've always just been happy playing music with my friends and you know I mean I'm in a couple of good bands at the moment and you know, who should, are you playing with? I'm uh, playing with a guy called, a band called Goodwill, which is um, Will McGillivray, yep. who was in um, a
1: Nomad. Nomad, thank yep. you,
2: yes. I met him through my friend Brad, who I mentioned a couple of times before, because yeah. Brad taught the three Nomad lads when they yep. went through um, Chili Boys. Yep. And then about a year ago, I got an email from Brad or, well, or both of them, and then they were like, hey, do you want to come and play with us, but play bass? And like keyboards, and I was like, yeah, totally, because that sounds fun, because love playing g- keyboards, so yeah. I just don't do it, get to do it as, as much, Yeah, and love playing bass, and again, same thing really, just don't yeah. get to do it as much, so finally fixed up this bass that I had sitting around yeah. and, and got that serviceable one, so it's really fun and challenging. I'm playing keyboards, straight keyboards on some songs, but then left-hand uh, synth bass, Yes. so there's no, and then other times I'm playing just, just normal bass guitar, yeah, It's hard but it's really fun yep. and, and Will's great He's a really great songwriter mm. He sounds, it's kind of, I guess the music's a little bit Kind of like the National War on Drugs mm-hmm. um, he, Those are kind of his influences mm.
1: uh, Any opportunity to pick up Anything from him production wise
2: Yeah I have, I sent him a mix Of that song and um, and got his advice. What um, did he come back with? I I can't remember, but I think I ignored it. <laughs> Turn the guitar down. Turn the guitar down. I think he might have told me that. I think he told me that the solo was too shreddy, and I was like, okay, piss off. Yeah, yeah.
1: Didn't actually say. I don't
2: anything. care. <laughs> yeah. yeah, whatever. You stick to yours, well.
1: That's
2: good. Yeah. Um. Oh. Yeah. In general, I've just always picked up bits of information from those kind of dudes. You know, like deposited in my mental. Yep. brain bank over yeah, yeah. the years, but yeah, yeah. to be honest, it's like it's like as I said, you just futs around with something now, and it, if it sounds good. It sounds good. Yep, that's my that's my take. Okay, yeah.
1: Let's talk about um, folks that you are playing with because we've got an yeah. Adam Hadaway track yeah. at the end of this. Yeah, The Haunters. Um, so you're, you are one of The Haunters? Yeah, not
2: permanently, okay. um, but I'm happy to be included in this recent run of shows. Okay. The album's called Rooster.
1: You've played on this track? No,
2: no, no. no um. So I didn't play on any of the rec- recordings. It's oh, okay. Elmore, yep. Elmore Jones was currently in the Czech Republic You're on board. for a few shows, but okay. um, but yeah, so great. I mean, I've known Adam, I went to jazz school with Adam, yep. Um, and he was a young, nervous, he's still a young dude, what am I saying? But he was a uh, anxious dude, and um, he was doing jazz, yeah, and it was kind of square peg in a round hole, yeah, um, but he's super talented, you know, there was no denying it, yeah. And the end, um, it's just been so cool to watch him. His career grow Over the past We well, while, And he's super prolific Which is so great Yes You know um I think a lot of Bands could take something From that um, You know It's like Put a record out Three years later for, You know There's like a big gap But Adam is Recording and releasing stuff uh, It seems like yearly So And then this new record Is uh, 20 songs So it's a double record But it cuts uh, It comes in under an hour So it's digestible.
1: I just want your opinion mm. um on another Christchurch artist, yep. Thomas Asbister. Oh yeah, and Tom's in the band too. Yeah. Oh yeah, he yeah. is. Oh yeah. okay. So yeah. he's playing as well. Yeah. Again, exceptionally prolific. Yeah, I mean, totally. Is yeah. there something in something in the water that you guys are drinking?
2: I think it comes back to the ease of technology thing again as okay. well, as as talent. And yep. Of course. But um yeah I just think that um and yeah I think there is um Christchurch has always been like that. I mean I remember it was like that um, you know, when I first started out, you know, um, there was and everyone, all the sort of like big successful bands, a lot of them, it was like,
1: "Oh, you're there from Christchurch." Oh, you're there from Christchurch. The track we're going to play is "Waiting for the Chill." Yes. Um, and as you said, it's it's Elmore on the record. It, it is. Yeah. Um, I'm imagining you add your your Ben <laughs> Ben Flaves.
2: <laughs> I just try and keep it pretty. It's pretty straight out of the guts. There's not really a lot of guitar heroics in this band. I do get to do a couple of solos, which is fun. Hey, yeah. but. Mostly I'm just a huge fan of Adam's songs. This one in particular, I remember he played it to me on headphones in the pub um, a few months ago. He was like, hey, you should listen to this because we were hanging out. And um, and he's like, Adam started out as a noisy pavement Stephen Malcolmus guy in this band called Sister Something. And mm. then suddenly he was like, it was like he woke up and he was like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to be a roots guy because that's actually where my... Spiritual lies, and yep. then and it's and he's just never looked back. So it's really cool. And uh, you know, this guy's in Christchurch. You know, he's doing making this amazing music all the way down the bottom of the world here. So yeah. let's give it up for Adam Hadaway and the Haunters.
1: Indeed. More importantly, let's give it up for Ben Aldridge. Oh, Thank you so much. It's thanks, been great Anna. to meet you. Great to have a chat. And likewise, hear the encyclopedic uh, <laughs> history, yes. uh, musical history. Yeah. It's fantastic.
2: Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks for joining me today. Thanks also to Ben Aldridge for providing me with more content than I could use in a standard-length show. You can find out more about what Ben's up to by visiting gardenofsound.nz and clicking on his link on the front page. I'm Ian Turner. I look forward to bringing you Garden of Sound same time next week. In the meantime, keep well, keep listening,
3: and keep playing. En au!